glad to be joined once again by Ruth Ben-Ghiat, professor at New York University, author of Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present, and someone who studies authoritarianism and so much to talk about. Welcome back to the program, Ruth Ben-Ghiat. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we've been talking about the debt ceiling and what's going on, of course, and uh, what Republicans are doing, how the president is interacting. And this is something that has a history going back to the Obama years. Previously, of course, debt ceiling routinely raised, and it was routinely raised even under Trump. Uh, but in terms of Republicans using it in this way that is about hostage taking, it's been uh, something that's gone on back into the Obama administration. How does it fit in to this authoritarian, absolutist mindset that we're seeing? And how is it different now, perhaps, than it was earlier? Well, unfortunately, we're dealing with uh, extremists and uh, Trump, you know, most of all. And these are people who they have no moral code. Uh, Trump himself does not care about mass hardship. Uh, if you recall, um, when when he was asked uh, on on camera about uh, when the COVID hit a death toll of one hundred thousand, he just shrugged and he said, "It is what it is." And the, he he didn't care if Americans lived or died. So the kind of um, you know, care uh, that they couldn't possibly do this because it would cause too much hardship does not factor into the thinking of somebody like Trump and uh, his extremist MAGA faction. So, so there's that. The other thing is extremists who uh, already had a, a violent coup to try and um, step around the, the uh, you know, system of democracy to get to power. These are people who will do anything including crash the economy, to hurt Biden. And I firmly believe that. Um, and the other thing is that there is a precedent for a Republican administration uh, crashing a national economy uh, to um, prevent socialism from taking hold. And that was in Chile in the 1970s. I write about it in my book, Strongmen. Uh, Nixon and Kissinger uh, they they had a meeting and they said, make the economy scream. And so they used truck convoys, disrupting supply chains. They used every possible economic warfare and political warfare, psychological warfare tool to create a system of a, a situation of crisis. And they crashed the economy. And these were Republicans uh, not so long ago. Kissinger's still around. So I think about that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think hitting his 100th birthday uh, yes. as well. Um, I, I saw you speaking about some of the hearings we've seen that have been all about the weaponization of um, the government, supposedly, by the Republican, you know, their point of view, uh, against um, Donald Trump, against Republicans, and how... Much of this is about them trying to undo um, the history, the documentation, the facts of January 6th and the insurrection and rewrite what happened and how you talked about how important that is to uh, strongmen to do that, to control that narrative. 
Yes, and, and one of the reasons the GOP is so dangerous right now is they are a party in damage control mode, in panic mode. And they're doing like this uh, Jim Jordan subcommittee on the weaponization of you know the federal government. <clears throat> its purpose is to weaponize government to shut down any exposure of secrets, any exposure, further exposure of complicity uh, of the party uh, in the coup attempt. And that's why they're going, uh, you know, after the, the deep state and Donald Trump has, and I believe him, he, if he comes back to the White House, they're going to be massive purges. Um, I'm writing today for, uh, it's going to publish tomorrow for Lucid, an essay about how intelligence agencies um, which who have, you know, they have their own history of anti-democratic activity, of course, but with the right or slash wrong leader, they can become targets because they are dedicate, dedicated to investigation and inquiry. So they can become targets just like journalists and uh, prosecutors. And so we saw this last week when, uh, you know, they were trying to kind of taint the FBI and they consider it part of the deep state. So we're seeing all kinds, this is just the start of all kinds of waste of taxpayers, uh, you know, money and time. It's supposed to exhaust you. It's supposed to distract you from the GOP's corruption. And I call this garbage politics. And Jim Jordan is perfect person to strew garbage. Uh, mm -hmm. And by the way, these talking points are circulated all the way to, to Moscow. So there, it's a kind of larger, uh, larger crusade to take down Biden's administration to take down um, any non-loyalists of Trump that's going on. And people should go to lucid.substack.com. They can read that piece, but also subscribe uh, to Lucid. Ron DeSantis is going to announce any day now his run for the presidency. He And we've talked about him before, and you've talked about uh, what motivates him and, and what he's doing. He just... Uh, finished signing a slew of extremist bills, uh, worse than the previous batch, uh, you know, a license to discriminate law that allows doctors to turn people away based on their moral beliefs. They can turn away gay people if they want. Uh, of course, the six-week abortion ban, um, the horrible bathroom bill, the anti-trans bill, the anti-drag queen bill, all of it. And, you know, a lot of people talk about whether he believes these things or not. He's just posturing for the base of the party. But in terms of being an authoritarian, that doesn't really matter because he's willing to do it, right? Yes, it doesn't matter because I, I've been writing about him since 2021. And one of the things that uh, uh, worried me is that I saw him as a kind of empty shell of, of a person who in the classic strongman tradition would become, become anything that he needs to become in order to get power. And, and, and Trump is like this too. Trump's, Trump's a marketer, you know, by profession, among other, as well as a money launderer, et cetera. And Trump kind of read the political marketplace and he, you know, found he could, you know, uh, kind of his product was white grievance, et cetera. And Ron DeSantis studied this very carefully, and and he has made himself, of course, a mini Trump. But he has no moral scruples either. And so, 
both of both of these people are letting themselves be led by the most extremist tendencies and of the American, you know, the Republican voters. And once you go there, you see that Trump's become more and more extreme. He's now, you know, he always was solicit soliciting neo-Nazis, telling them they were good people. But now he's like exacerbated this. And that's what Ron DeSantis is doing too. They double down, even though it's unpopular what he's doing. Um, and he's and he I think there's there's a you know, whole kind of grassroots and lawmaker alliances that have come out in Florida. It's becoming actually a laboratory of interesting resistance, but they don't care. Uh, they'll do anything they need to do, uh, no matter how how many people they demonize to get power. Well, and, and it's similar to what we're seeing in the states. And you said Florida is the laboratory. We've seen, of course, other states now uh, pushing the same horrible don't say gay laws and anti-trans bills. And, of course, we've seen uh, anti-abortion uh, bills and bans on abortion all through the states. And there's a lot of discussion about how Republicans, a lot of them know this is disastrous for them and they saw what happened in 2022 and how you know Roe v Wade being overturned um really galvanized democrats and yet they still at least in many of these states in fact even after some abortion bans were beaten back south carolina north carolina nebraska they went back and they got it done uh you know pushed it through used procedural moves talk about that how even the 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 environment and the political reality, uh, at least how it seems, doesn't really matter to them. Well, there's two things going on. One is their profound arrogance, and often authoritarians' arrogance does them in. Uh, not before they've, you know, caused enormous grief and often loss of life, unfortunately. But um, they don't understand that or they think they can just have more and more repression, more criminalizing protest. They don't, they're not seeing, they're blinded by their arrogance that they are causing an enormous, uh, uh, you know, army of resistor, resistors to, to, to take, to come to the streets, to be ally, allying as in Tennessee with lawmakers. They're sparking this whole uh, counter movement. The other reason they don't care is that they have, double down on what we call electoral autocracy. Now, when you keep elections going, but you game the system in myriad ways, which the GOP has a long history of doing because of racialized voter suppression for many decades. And it's all about this trickery. And so they feel that if they, even, they don't care if things are not popular because they're not depending on the vote anymore. That's where uh, Tommy, is it Tuberville? I, I always pronounce his name wrong. But the when Al he Alabama said- Alabama senator, yeah. Yes. He said, well, we should just not have elections anymore. You know, he said the quiet part out loud. Could, because they're not depending on the popular vote anymore. They're just, they're just become like autocrats, like in Turkey and in Hungary. So in that sense, they don't have to care either. Um, so it's quite it's it's quite uh it's quite a, a right. fateful moment we're in. What should um political leaders, Democrats, be doing? I mean, certainly we see the movement and as you said, resistance, and we're seeing incredible people like Justin Pearson and um you know, Justin Jones and um people who are just 
galvanizing people across the country. But then you see President Biden, you know, going into these talks with McCarthy, still trying to talk about bipartisanship, negotiation, giving things up, give and take, compromise. Is that the way to do this? I think it's not either or, and and he has a different role. He's been so strong on democratic ideals, uh, both in terms of keeping U.S. He's tried to repair the U.S.'s profile abroad. He has all these democracy summits. True. And I know that people will be like, okay, well, what about us here? <laughs> you know, but um, I think that I think that it's not either or. I think he's doing what he has to do now as the head of state. I do find really interesting, you know, Nikki Freed, the chair of the Florida Democrats, who was recently arrested, it was very interesting to see her and the um, Florida state minority leader. They were arrested and they were uh, locking arms with with uh, activists. And this kind of the, the optics of this lawmaker and grassroots activist alliance was very strong. And we're seeing this in Tennessee, too. So I, I think that um, having we know that from studies of nonviolent protest, it, you have to ally with what's called the pillars of society. If you're a grassroots activist, you have to get people who are uh, have power and influence and money involved and you create a broad based coalition. And that's how you succeed. There's all kinds of research about this in different countries. Um, and that's what's going on here slowly. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's one thing, and what Bi what Biden's doing right now with the debt ceiling is is another. It's a very specific um, and scary circumstance. Right, and and he does forcefully stand up. I mean, he calls out the MAGA Republicans. He certainly calls out Trump, while at the same time he's trying to show what real leadership could be that's not autocratic and of course supporting democracy and that is that is a balance and certainly um to show something you know that is an alternative to how the republicans are doing it what is your thought on these other candidates who are putting themselves out there today tim scott the south carolina senator put his hat in the ring. Chris Christie is going to jump in to the Republican primary. Um, DeSantis has kind of deflated, but I don't know that anybody should rest on their laurels. And of course, Donald Trump is still there. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think they're all quite deluded, um, maybe for good reasons, because Trump is a is a cult leader. The thing about Trump, and, uh, and I, I have an essay on this, and he's not a conventional politician, he's a cult leader. And everything that's going on in the GOP, they are a, a party domesticated by this cult leader, and they became his personal tool. I mean, it's incredible. The guy hasn't been in office for a long time, and they're still taking orders from him. This is not normal, right. except if you're a cult leader. Jim Jordan is like a total lack. These people are lackeys of the Trump cult and they can't seem to find a way out. So it's really interesting that anybody at all is declaring DeSantis aside because DeSantis, you know, a long time ago, he already had like 40 or 50 billionaires backing him and a few of them have left. 
but he's always had a big war chest. And so he's a little bit different than the others, but, but Chris Christie and et cetera, I don't know who's, I don't know how they would go up against the Trump cult uh, or the alternative of DeSantis, who somehow, you know, pe- some people, it makes me crazy this, they want so badly to have a quote, normal uh, politician that they they want him to be like the moderate one. And you still see like even New York Times headlines that that say, oh, he's he's very conservative. Well, there's nothing conservative about him. He's like demonizing, you know, LBGTQ populations so that there will be violence against them. That's not conservative, that's extremist. So it's a very interesting dynamic field right now, uh, but the cult leader dynamics, uh, <laughs> show that it's very difficult for anybody else to prevail. And and he certainly um, was able to just use CNN in that town hall meeting, have a platform to cement that cult status even further uh, and, and sort of set the terms of this Republican uh, field and the nomination fight. Yeah, and the thing is, if we look at everything he does um, starting with him being a cult leader, his campaign events have a different um, function than other politicians. His campaign events are radicalization, um, you know, venues for people to become radicalized. For, since 2015, he's been telling people that they should be full of hatred, that they should hurt each other, they, that, you know, compassion mm-hmm. is bad. So he's emotionally retraining them, he's radicalizing them, and he's circulating his propaganda and his loyalty, they have to have loyalty to him. So Mm -hmm. those are what he uses his rallies for, uh, as well as, you know, fleecing people, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, ripping them off, of course. Um, And that's a little different than other politicians. Mm -hmm. Um, That's because he's a cult leader. Uh, it is always uh, enlightening, Ruth, and, and, and great to have you on uh, and have these conversations. Thanks so much for coming on today. Sure, it's a pleasure. Ruth Ben-Ghiat, follow her on Twitter at Ruth Ben-Ghiat, G-H-I-A-T. And of course, lucid.substack.com is uh, her newsletter, which you should subscribe to, and Strongman, Mussolini to the Present, her book. We're back in a couple of minutes. The Michelangelo Seniorelli Show on Sirius XM.